Hosted by Winnipeg journalist Sam Thompson and running since 2012, Witch Police Radio is a deep dive into Manitoba's music scene through interviews, live performances, and much more. Find the show at witchpolice.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Um, as I've been doing lately, you know, I like to interview bands, obviously, as people who listen to the podcast know, but I also like to uh, talk to Winnipeg music scene adjacent people, is kind of the way I like to describe it. And that's included uh, music photographers, it's included uh, people who do posters, it's included people who, you know, manage bands or produce bands, things like that, and, and also um, record stores. And I mean, uh, we recently had an episode with uh, the owner of Old Gold Vintage Vinyl, and that was kind of a cool conversation talking about sort of the used record business in this time of, of COVID <laughs> that we're all dealing with. And the guest on this episode is, is someone who's doing something a little bit different uh, in that same kind of vein. I mean, I, I'll get you to explain it uh, in a second, but um, I don't think I've had anyone on the show who has, um, first of all, done a distro. That's, that's, that's new to the show. And also specifically about certain styles of music. So I think the best way to sort of get into this is if you want to introduce yourself and just give a bit of background about what it is that you do. For sure. Yeah, I'm Brad. Um, I do uh, Ioneer Control Records. So it's a vinyl record distro. Uh, it was running out of my house. It's mainly a mail order. Um, so 90% of what I do is like mailing things out. Um, when COVID hit, my partner was moving into an art studio and was looking for a, a, someone to share the space. And this thing that you can see behind me took up an entire room in our, our house. So the two things together just kind of made, made, it made sense to get this stuff out of one of the rooms in my house that's now a living room Yeah, yeah. and uh, move it down here. So this kind of became the office and then it sort of morphed into this um, headless record store. So uh, I do the mail order stuff from here. I'm here three days a week at this point um, and just filling orders and kind of staying on top of the online stuff. And I figured while I was here, I might as well, set things up so that people could come up people come and pick up records that they buy locally and uh yeah just got it set so people can come up and kind of browse uh, i had a friend of mine come in and and he was his mind was just blown because he hadn't been in a record store for here at this point you know it's just when the restrictions were dropping yeah from the first round of lockdown and so i just kind of figured yeah people people appreciate that sort of experience even if it's not you know, a foot traffic, general public kind of scenario. For sure. And especially because you're doing mm. something that's very specialty, it almost makes sense to have it in that kind of, uh, like a hidden little boutique, right? <laughs> that people have to... Yeah, I kind of I kind of like it. You know, like uh, people, 
people aren't walking in here without knowing what they're looking for. So it kind of fits. Like I, I've only got a certain thing for a certain like group of people. So yeah, it yeah. works. It's like a secret club or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. How long have you been doing this? Like how long is it? Was it a thing in, in your house taking up all that space before, before it's kind of uh, evolved into this store now? Yeah, more or less. I mean, uh, so I started this at the end of 2017, I would say, I think the first sale that we ever had was at the uh, Peg Beer Company. Uh, we had a little pop-up thing there in December of 2017. Okay. And uh, then the online store kind of started in January of 2018. And I think I've been in this space for just over a year now. Uh, so there was a there was a period where this was when we first moved in here, where it took like a couple of months to actually get things set up and move things around and get things back to the functional state. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like just white knuckling it through just filling orders and in, in complete chaos. But uh, yeah, no, now it's pretty well set up. It's fairly well organized, maybe better organized than it's ever been. So cool. cool. Some, something about a work ethic of coming into a space as opposed to just walking into another room in your house where, you know, you can kind of fill an order at three in the morning if you really want to. You yeah, don't yeah. have to be focused. But uh, what, yeah. Why did you start this in the first place? I mean, having all these records kind of in your house, taking up that space, that's, that's a, it's a fairly big commitment, right? And also just seeking out this stuff, because, I mean, maybe for people who aren't familiar, you you deal with very specific genres of music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's mostly like death metal, black metal, grindcore. Uh, sort of comes from, uh, you know, growing up, I was really into metal, like more mainstream stuff like Metallica and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, sort of came up from there through punk into grindcore and and just was in a couple of grindcore bands and did some shows and stuff like that. And, and coming with that, you know, if you're in a band and you put out a record, then you wind up trading records with people. And suddenly you have other people's records and then you're trying to sell those, uh, kind of recoup your costs and stuff. And so it just kind of bloomed from there. And it got to the point where, you know, hobby kind of started to take over sort of thing. So, so I just kind of like decided to bring it up to the next level and and just kind of like do this as a well just see what happens you know what i mean just do it as yeah. a side gig and now it's like a three day a week kind of scenario for me so yeah it's awesome it's awesome you've been able to turn it into this like i mean you know it, so i get it i get the idea of a hobby being coming obsessive to the point where you want to do it all the time i mean that's what i do with this show right it's the same yeah. idea but yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure so i i, I enjoy having a I enjoy having a second record room in my house, but my partner doesn't enjoy it as much as I do. So this yeah, is yeah. this is a good scenario. Right on. So I mean, in Winnipeg too. Not that you're only dealing with people from Winnipeg, but Winnipeg has a very strong um, scene for pretty much every style of heavy music. I mean, you know, the, the, the punk scene has been huge, but obviously the, the various metal scenes have also been really big uh, over the past few decades as well here. So I think you're in a good location mm -hmm. for it. Definitely. People are super informed and the bar is super high as far as like uh, just general knowledge about music and, and the appetite is huge too. I, I think that's a huge thing, like having curiosity about music and actually like an insatiable appetite, I, I would describe it. Like people who are people who have super specific interests and also a really, really voracious like appetite for it. Yeah. Where where are, mm. you, where are you getting your stock from? Like wh wh I'm assuming that, I know there's 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 distros all over the world, and there's so many people doing this at various levels. But wh where is the main kind of places that you you obtain this stuff? Um, a lot of stuff. So for the smaller stuff, the more niche stuff, I'm going straight to the labels. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times, it's just the only way to get it. Yeah. 
Um, I prefer going to places where, uh, you know, there'll be like 10 or 20 labels that send their stuff to a specific one specific place that I can then order stuff together from. Cause the more, the more niche things get, the less you actually want to have at a time kind of thing. Sure, so sure. places, places like there's a long running place in California called abolition records. Yeah. I, I have um, some stuff from, been, from their label for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like they've been going forever from like the early nineties, I think. And, uh, they like, uh, we went through there, uh, during Goleta, California, we went through Goleta a few years ago and stopped in at their warehouse. And it's just, it's massive. It's two warehouses that are connected kind of thing. And cool. I, I don't even know how they keep track of what's there. So yeah, very committed pair of people that have been doing that for a really long time. Uh, that place, there's a place called Midheaven, also in the Bay area that, uh, I order from occasionally, um, I've actually gotten into like ordering stuff from Sony and Warner, oh, really? but I'm kind of enough, you know, like Iron Maiden and, and Mastodon and stuff like that, that doesn't seep down to the smaller distros. So it's, it's all over the place. And a lot of the European stuff will come directly from labels. If there's enough interest to take maybe 10 or 10 or so copies of a title, then I can actually make it work with the cool. shipping. Cool. Mm-hmm. Is there certain stuff like I mean, style-wise or genre-wise, that really is popular here? I mean, as far as local customers, like is there is there an appetite for some particular subgenre of metal uh, in Winnipeg more than others? Um, I don't know. I got I I kind of got a bit of myopia because I, I have my own like sort of universe in my head of, of what's course. actually uh, popular. So. I would say like, uh, like right now there's a resurgence of black metal. Um, I would say that like bands like Nocturnal Departure, you know, have really kind of breathed more. uh, Like if you can see a band like that playing in front of you live, it's going to ignite a curiosity about a genre of music, especially a band that that's, that's that good. Yeah. Yeah. So that sort of thing, it, it sort of goes with what's actually being played in the city. You know, it sort of reacts like that. Like people see a grindcore band that they're like, oh man, this is amazing. Like Archigathis have been going forever. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, if you take the members of Archigathis and jumble them around a little bit, you can make up 10 different bands that have been playing for a really long time in the scene. So, uh, you know, I think it's important for people to be able to go out to a show and see a band like that that's operating at a really high level locally and then sort of compare that to you know, other things that, that they're into. Um, it it just all goes to the context. And I think it just like raises the bar across the board for what people expect and, and what people are interested in. Well, it's interesting because what you're describing is, is very similar to how people would seek out stuff pre-internet, right? I mean, you'd look at the liner notes of a record, you'd see what bands they're thinking, you'd see who wrote the songs and track down those people's bands and stuff. And I mean, you're doing this now in this era where everything's online and you're using online, obviously, as a, as a way to kind of reach out to people and let them know that this stuff is available for them. So definitely. how do you juggle the two? Because it's like a, it's definitely a pre-internet DIY sort of format being a distro, but then you have this kind of whole new world of, of, of streaming and stuff, which changes how people consume music. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's complimentary, to be honest. Like at this point, there is so much out there, like you say, that uh, you almost need to you almost need to have those touchstones just as much. Yeah. You know, you almost need to have someone who can recommend something to you or or, you know, see a band and ask them who they listen to and what makes them sound the way that they sound and kind of branch out from there. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, it's um, it's fairly similar. Like even though everything is readily available, that doesn't necessarily dilute 
the interest, which is interesting. Um, I, I, I get a kick out of it. Like I, on a daily basis, I'm hearing about new bands from people that I haven't heard. And I, I consider myself fairly well informed, but yeah. there's always stuff coming out, especially now, especially in 2021, because there's such a deluge of releases that were supposed to come out in 2020 and <laughs> right. people right. sat on them. So this year has just been phenomenal for releases. That's cool. Yeah. And I guess like you're also dealing with genres where, where physical copies have always been the norm. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, physical copies were everything for every genre until recently, but I mean, metal, especially and punk rock and hardcore, I mean, tapes and, and vinyl have always sort of been the thing, right? So, I mean, it's, it, it mm-hmm. makes sense to have physical, um, a way to obtain those physically, especially if you're not in the same city as the band and things like that. Yeah. And especially, you know, doing something like this, one of my, uh, selfish motivations about it is the fact that you can get records cheaply instead of ordering one record and paying $30 in shipping and $30 for the record, you can order 10 records and pay maybe $60 in shipping and then yeah. split that up. So it winds up being cheaper for you and for everyone else that's interested in it too. So a little bit of a selfish thing, but you know, it is what it is. Well, that's one of the biggest problems with ordering vinyl on the internet. Like, I, I say every day of my life, I look up some records on the internet that I want to buy, but I don't pull the trigger on them because the shipping costs more than actually buying the album itself. So, I mean, that yeah, that is a huge price, especially in Canada, right? We have such a huge problem of trying to order anything from the States, and it's just, you're just buried with shipping costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless you become a postal expert and you know where all the weight breakdowns are and stuff like that like i think once you hit about four records coming from the states then you're probably paying about 10 us dollars per record okay and below that below that i'm not even really sure at this point but yeah so i I try and keep orders to about like a 20 unit minimum sort of thing i I find that that no matter where they're coming from that kind of splits up the cost just about enough well, I guess like the one record I bought from you recently was the Propagandi um, reissue, um, remaster, remix of, of Today's Empires. And that was something I, I figured I'd have to wait till it came to a local store because, you know, Fat put it out and I saw the shipping and it was like, this is not, I love this album and I want to hear the, the, the new version of it, but it, it wasn't worth it. So how did, how did you get um, that hookup? I mean, the band obviously gave you a bunch of copies to sell on their behalf, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few months ago, uh, Chris Hanna actually sold a bunch of his uh, record collection, and he came. To I saw me that online. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sold a bunch of his records, and and we just kind of were talking, and and I knew that this was coming up, and because everything in the in the vinyl production realm is delayed these days, there was a huge lead up to the record actually being available. So we just kind of talked and and it came up that, you know, you guys should just bring up a bunch of copies. And if you don't want to deal with selling them, I will just sell them for you, yeah. you know, and you just consign them to me. And, and so that's what happened. Cool. And yeah, they would have been getting some royalty copies anyway, I would assume. So, uh, you know, it doesn't cost the label really anything more to send them up. And yeah, it just helps everyone. It's kind yeah. of a wheel of support sort of thing. I think the coolest part about it too was that like, you know, when I got that, it was like a couple days after you put it up online and I was already listening to it and all these Americans I know are complaining that they have to wait till you know, till now basically to get to get the record. So it was cool that people in Winnipeg could, wow. could kind of go down to a local store and, and, and buy a copy sort of right away. It was a nice little local touch to it, right? Yeah, it's kind of funny. It came full circle too because one of the first people that I ever saw doing something like this, like a smaller distro, was Todd Kowalski okay. when he was in I Spy. Right, right. So <clears throat> when when the uh, first, I guess it was the 10-inch or the split 10-inch came out, 
he was doing a, a bunch of distro stuff. And so that's one of the first places where I went and blind bought a bunch of records and, and was just like, okay, Articles of Faith, uh, yeah. Born Against, you know, Rorschach, like all these early 90s bands that are still stuck in my brain. And, and it, it was really kind of a formative experience. So I kind of want to keep some of that alive with this too, right? Like, even though you can hear everything, um, pretty readily these days that doesn't necessarily give you the same sort of feeling as like uh, understanding the, the sort of the the background of the music if, if you uh want to put it that way yeah no i know i know what you mean for sure and the, the idea of blind buying records is great because i've done that too and, and some of my favorite records are things that i bought at a show or bought at you know a small record store somewhere and, and ended up loving and like they're still in my collection so there's there's something to be said about that that I don't, sure. I don't know if you get the same experience online because you know you're just uh, streaming stuff and it's so um the attention span is so much quicker online where you're not, uh, you know, you, right. even if you spend a buck on a song, it's not like you're spending 15 bucks on a record and taking it home and then you want to get get your money's worth out of it. So you sit there and really absorb it, right? Totally. And you're a little bit more invested that way too, you know, like, uh, yeah, I love, I love blind buying records. It's not something that I do very often these days. Yeah. Uh, especially with this, because I, you know, I, I kind of listen to things and vet things quite a bit before I bring them in just because it's a, a relatively big investment. But uh, yeah, if you go to a record convention or something like that and you're digging through a crate and you're like, okay, well, here's this erosion record. I don't know anything about this, but it looks like a crossover record yeah. and I'm just going to buy it and see what happens, you know, spend 15 bucks. And that's, uh, there's something really special about that. I, I sort of miss that in a way, Yeah. in a way. And then there's, you, there's the flip side of that where you get something and you're, you're just kind of like trying to make yourself like it because you've already spent some bucks. Yeah, and then you can't get rid of it, and then it ends up in your in your on your shelf for years because no one else wants it. <laughs> yeah, I've got about a ten percent of my collection is probably stuff like that. Yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah, too, this yeah. is good. I mean, you know, no one no one's really going to pay too much for this, so I might as well just hang on to it. Yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. How much attention do you have to pay um, to sort of the prices that records go for online? Because I know a lot of people you know, just looking at like Facebook groups and stuff. And I know a lot of these people aren't the most educated record buyers or sellers, but a lot of time people will just look up a price online and, and just try to sell a piece of shit record for, because they saw it sell once on eBay for 20 bucks and it's worth two bucks. Right. Like how much does that come into play with what you do? It's sort of the uh, sort of wild pricing all over the place when it comes to people trying to sell things on the internet. Um, well, I don't do a lot of used buying uh, right, on the course, internet yeah, yeah. just, just for that purchase just for that reason, because yeah, you, you just never know. Um, but as far as being a seller and selling on the scogs, like reputation is pretty much everything. Totally. And I like to keep it, I like to keep it old school and just like undergrade things, you know, I'll, I'll kind of like, I do pay attention to it, especially um, in terms of this, this is all mostly new stuff. So it's, it's not, you know, it's going to sell for what it sells for, yeah. but uh, in terms of selling say Chris Hannah's collection or something like that, where you've got like, you know, uh, an original press of the first uh, Bathory record. And you're like, okay, well, I got to pay attention to this. I got to get comfortable with asking people what it, what, for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but you, you don't want someone on the other end of it to get a record and pull it out and be like, oh, I hate this, you know, this is, this is trash. To, I'm never going to buy anything from this guy again. Right. You want the return so, customers. So you got to... Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you got to pay attention more to to grading things properly and just being really upfront about what it is and and making sure you've got the right versions, especially of used records. Right. And if you you know if you're if you're not grading things, if you're not grading the cover and and you're trying to sell something for forty bucks and you can see in the picture that it's got ring wear all over it and the corners are bent and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, I I think it's a good thing that that these markets exist, but I think that people need to kind of uh, be a little bit more educated about it, sure. and especially, you know, in terms of buyers as well, because that creates, that sort of creates the seller expectations and the buyer expectations. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Does, um, mm-hmm. I mean, for example, with this propaganda release and when you were selling Chris's records too, does that kind of thing, um, has it been successful in sort of making more, more people aware of what you do? Because, I mean, you know, they have a pretty big fan base and a, and a pretty big international audience. I, I imagine that, you know, when they're sharing a link to, to your site selling this stuff or your Discog selling his records, it's got to uh, give you a bit of a boost, right, in terms of uh, just new new potential customers? Yeah, definitely. I saw a pretty big influx of people registering on the site to buy that record. I think I went through... <clears throat> I want to say I went through 60 copies of that record. And uh, I think that went in a couple of months. So that's yeah. that's a fair that's a fair chunk of records to go in like a short period of time. I think that beyond besides that, I think like uh, the first Danzig record is probably the one that I've sold the most of in in a short period of time. Um, so yeah, people come and get registered, and once people are registered on the site and kind of, it's sort of like an introduction to what I do to yeah. be able to send them a record and be like, okay, the record arrived, packaged properly. Uh, you know, and and everything went smoothly, then, you know, hopefully people come back and, and want to do that again. Yeah. And when you get the emails too, like I get the emails all the time and <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, right. I should check out the website. Yeah. So it, it works, right? I mean, it's it's a way to, you have a an audience that is pretty devoted to this stuff uh, to begin with. So, I mean, that's got to help too, that yeah. you, you know what they want and they know what they want from you. So, yeah. For sure. I kind of, I try and keep it balanced to like the point where I'm not spamming people all the time, but at the same time I drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, you know, I've yeah, got a business yeah. to run and bills to pay, so I've got to kind of push it out there. Uh, there's a lot of people doing this kind of thing. So uh, my main focus is like uh, local Canada and then international from there, especially lately because COVID has kind of messed things up with shipping and international shipping yeah. so drastically that uh, I mean, my, my international um, market is kind of, well, if you want to call it a market, is kind of decimated just because of that. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot I, of sense. I don't, really, I don't really ship too much internationally anymore, mostly to North America. Well, when, when this when this will come out, it'll be, you know, the holidays will be over and uh, COVID, I'm sure, will still be going strong, unfortunately. But what is sort of, what does 2022 look like for you? Um, you know, especially with the physical store. I mean, uh, I know COVID restrictions are, are up in the air right now. What's going to change and what's not? But do you sort of have any plans of, of how to tackle this situation we're in uh, heading into the new year? I mean, I feel like... Um by coincidence or maybe just by luck, I'm in a good position with that because what I do is, is pretty, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's pretty exclusive anyway. Yeah. Um, as far as people in the space here, I think the most people I've ever had in the space at once was like four people. Oh, so, right. yeah. you know, it, it, it mainly just impacts how much uh, sort of um, time management I have to do when people are coming in. So knowing when people are going to be here and, kind of guessing at how long people want to hang out and, and look at records and stuff like that. So I, I generally go back to, I default to like 
getting people to book a time and, and giving them like 45 minutes to kind of look through stuff and then maybe check out with a couple of records or something like that. Yeah. So well, and I guess you have the benefit. That's the main thing. And so as I was gonna say, you have the benefit of stuff being online too listed there, right? So, so people could just figure out what they want ahead of time and then come in and basically give you a list. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in this weird kind of hybrid mode right now where, where I've got something that looks like a store, but operates like, uh, like a warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm going to stay here for a bit and see what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, it's everything's so up in the air at this point for everybody too, right? So, I mean, it could it could end next week. I don't doubt it will, but, <laughs> you know, you never yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If people are, are, are unfamiliar with, with Ioneer Control, what's the best way to sort of find out? I mean, I know the website is probably the, uh, the go-to just because you have everything listed. Um, but what would you recommend uh, for like a total newcomer who wants to, maybe they're already into this kind of music, maybe they want to get into it. What's the best way to sort of dig into what you have out there? Um, like you said, the website is, I, I try and make the website as comprehensive as possible. So I'll try and include audio links in pretty much everything. Um, I'll try to make sure that the, uh, if you're looking at something on the website, um, if you're looking at a record or something, there'll be related records at the bottom. Yeah. <clears throat> the platform that I'm using is a little bit weird because it's uh, it's a WooCommerce store. So you have to kind of manually dig in and, and make sure that it's not pulling things uh, like say, you know, uh, a, pop, a pop punk record underneath a death metal record kind of thing. Cause it'll just, it'll just see that they're both LPs and then say, well, you like LPs, maybe you like this LP, even right. though it's completely different style. So I try, I try and sort of curate that so that when you're looking at something, what you're seeing on the bottom as related products are, are sort of similar. And, uh, I kind of give a little write up and, and, and try and give people as much context as possible. And then just put usually a Bandcamp link so that people have uh, something to actually listen to. Yeah. And I think you, yeah. your, your site is pretty good too at like, you know, identifying what the new new stuff is. The new stuff you've got in is pretty prominent on there. And I mean, in addition to the emails you send out too. So that's, it's, I think it's fairly easy to navigate. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I spent a bit of time on it, and uh, it, the the first couple of versions of it were pretty primitive. But I think it's kind of it's at a point now where uh, I'm I'm happy with the aesthetics. Cool. And, and then, so if someone wants to check out, I mean, I know, again, COVID restrictions uh, obviously will affect this one way or another, but if someone wants to actually go down there and, and take a look at what you have in person, how do they make an appointment with you? So uh, I'm on I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I'm constantly looking at both of those platforms. I'm constantly looking at my email. Uh, so all, all anyone has to do is go to the website. It's ioneercontrolrecords.com. Um, all of the links to the social media stuff are on the main page, the landing page. So if you go to any of those channels and message me through that, there's also, if you're looking at the uh, record store online, there's also a, a Facebook messenger icon that you can click on and just send me a message directly from there. And then from there, we can just set up a time to come in, check out some records. Yeah. It's pretty casual. Awesome. And uh, yeah. Carrier pigeon, <laughs> tie something to a brick and throw it through my window. Like yeah. Pretty much anything else. Right on. 